Welcome to the Off Grid Texas Show, where we'll postulate the survivalist movement and tear open the condition that is the prepper mindset. We'll talk about gear, guns, packs, and kids, and everything in between. We can uncork our favorite bottle of conspiracy theories and enjoy that Kool-Aid together. So post up with me. I am your host, Cam O'Keefe. But first, we rock. I am Cam O'Keefe, and this is the Off Grid Texas Show. The email to contact us is shtf at offgridtx.com. That's shtf at offgridtx.com. If you're listening to this show, then you're a prepper, okay? And you already know what shtf stands for. But I was talking to a new prepper just the other day, and she asked, what does shtf stand for? Um... Yeah. Shit hit the fan. It's a term. That's what we use. We use it all the time. So I'm really happy to be here with you guys tonight. This is the OGTX Prepper Survival the Show, Episode 2. And uh, man, it's really storming out there. These springtime storms are kicking our asses. It would seem like you know, most of the U.S. is feeling it too. I mean, I saw news reports about torrential rain, flooding, tornadoes, all of that stuff. Yeah, I mean, I'm sitting here in the studio and I can hear the rain pounding against the windows outside and the wind is crazy too, but, uh, it's spring, right? And, um, so it begins, um, you know, we're somewhat used to these types of storms in Texas. Uh, we have a very mild winter, no snow and only maybe a touch of ice, you know, lasted for like a couple of hours this past uh, season, you know, but the North of the country was getting dumped on by winter storms. Uh, those of you in the north had it rough up there, I would say, to say the least. You know, but uh, hey, you can start relaxing pretty soon. Going into spring, it's going to be nice out. You know, here in the south, we're getting ready for the heat. Yay! We love the heat. Not. So tonight's show will be for the noob preppers, and a chance for you experienced preppers to chime in with your take on things. Uh, we've received a bunch of emails with show topics and a surprisingly large amount of questions on prepping and survival. Uh, tonight, we're going to focus on the Q&A from the preppers who are just starting out you know, on their path to preparedness. So we're going to try and help them out, go through a couple things. Um, but at first, I want to start with news, okay? I know, boring, but we'll try not to make it boring and we'll try to make it pretty quick, but I think it's important just to go through a couple of things. Um, I wish that we had like, you know, if I said prepper news and it was like news, 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 news you know, I had that did it, did it, did it, did it, did kind of stuff going on in the background. That would be cool. But um, I'm poor, so I don't have that kind of stuff. So in recent news, the Trump administration has signed an executive order to fortify the country's critical infrastructure against electromagnetic pulse attacks. The executive order is titled Executive Order on Coordinating National Resilience to Electromagnetic Pulses. You know, this is history in the making, folks. You know, preppers have known about EMPs and CMEs for a really long time. Uh, EMPs, electromagnetic pulses, and CMEs, uh, coronal mass ejections, a, a natural occurrence from the sun. These, are, these can be very devastating things. Both are a very real threat. Uh, we'll be discussing these in upcoming shows. 
But make no mistake, this is a real threat to all life, and we need this executive order to pass through Congress. Uh, remember, Congress has the power to overturn an executive order, which, you know, kind of sucks, but it is what it is. Um, so does the next president, by the way. The next president that takes over, they can also get rid of standing orders. So cross our fingers. We need to get, make this happen. It's really important. We've got a lot of people out there that um, don't like us in America. You may, you may be listening to us right now. I hope that you like us. Otherwise, why would you be listening? You know, they've got nukes and those nukes can generate electromagnetic pulses and basically put America back into the Stone Age. But, you know, I'm not going to get into that. We're doing news right now. We'll talk about that on another show. It'll be great. In other news, we've got the uh, U.S. Department of Defense. That's a DOD. Um, they have signed a contract with Avon Protection Systems out of Michigan to produce a large batch of M53A1 chemical biological protective mask systems. That's a fancy way of saying gas mask. This was listed, according to the DOD contract website, as being in the amount of $245 million. That's million dollars in taxpayer money. I wonder what they know that we don't know. What's next? Newsweek is reporting terrified tourists quarantined after Black Death outbreak in Mongolia. Guys, that's the bubonic plague. Saying that emergency staff in protective clothing boarded the plane, which had arrived in Mongolia. Uh, they were deployed uh, amid concerns that passengers had been in contact, either directly or indirectly, with a husband and a pregnant wife, aged 38 and 37, who had died from the disease in April t- on April 27th. Eleven passengers from the west of Mongolia were held at the airport and sent immediately to the hospital to be checked out, while the other 150 uh, were examined right there at the airport. The couple were said to have contracted the killer disease after eating a squirrel. Mm, Okay. Coming up next, from the world of high strangeness, we've got some news from the History Channel. Reporting UFO sightings to the U.S. Navy just got easier. The Navy is formalizing its process for reporting unexplained aerial phenomena. Back in the 1950s, if you saw the unidentified flying object, you could fill out one of the U.S. Air Force's handy UFO questionnaires and report it to Project Blue Book. That government program dissolved in 1969, but the military has remained interested in UFO sightings ever since. In April, last month, 2019, the U.S. Navy confirmed it is updating its guidelines for how pilots and personnel should report what it calls unexplained aerial phenomena, or UAPs. That's the new uh, catchphrase. There have been a number of reports of unauthorized or unidentified aircraft entering various military-controlled ranges and designated airspace in the recent years. The Navy said in a statement to the Politico, which by the way is the first outlet to report this news, the Navy is updating and formalizing the process by which reports of any such suspected incursions can be made to the cognizant authorities. Basically, the Navy wants to create a formal process for pilots and other personnel to report flying objects they can't explain so that someone can investigate. The Navy seems less concerned that UAPs are a sign of alien life and more concerned that they are unauthorized aircraft from foreign nations. This is why the U.S. started investigating UFO sightings back in the 1940s. Uh, There was concern that people were actually spotting secret Soviet planes. The Navy's announcement about its UAP reporting guidelines comes a year and a half after the New York Times revealed the Pentagon had a secret advanced aerospace threat identification program 
from 2007 to 2012. That's ATIP. Louis Elizondo, the former Pentagon official who led the classified program, resigned because he felt the Pentagon wasn't doing enough to identify and combat UAPs. Elizondo has said that he thinks they could be a threat to national security. All right, let me break this down for you really quick. We are not saying or talking about aliens, little green men flying around in ships. That's not what we're talking about. This is a prepper survivalist show. Why should you be concerned about this? Very simple. This is a threat to us, to all life on Earth, if you think about it. The Navy is on a regular basis. These pilots are seeing and filming unidentified aerial phenomena, aircraft that are moving in ways that they can't move faster, better, more advanced. They're taking right angle turns at literally breakneck speeds. There's no exhaust or fumes coming out of these, uh, out of these crafts. Look it up. You can check it out. They actually declassified a few of the videos. Some of you may have seen it. Just look up on YouTube, a tip and check it out. You can see for yourself. If there are aircraft above our heads that are more advanced than our own Air Force and Navy, we have a problem. Okay, these things are either from a secret United States project or they're from another country. Either way, they're a threat to our way of living. They're a threat to life in general. They can do things that our ours can't. So that's a problem. You should be looking into this. This is a concern. Just so you know, we are not an official news organization, so take it with a grain of salt. We don't track down leads and verify facts. We just research a bit of relevant happenings and going-ons and read what they say. And you know who they are. So take it for what it's worth and do your own research on topics that concern you most. So that's it for the news. Next up, OGTX show listeners Q&A. I am Camel Keith and this is Off Grid Texas. I am Cam O'Keefe, and this is the OGTX Prepper Survivalist Show. Contact us at shtf at offgridtx.com with show comments, questions, concerns, all that great stuff. Okay, that's shtf at offgridtx.com. The website launches in, I think, 13 days. Go check it out. There's a countdown page. You can put your email in and sign up for a free membership, and uh, we'll let you know uh, when when it's coming up. So from our show listeners comes a few beginner questions. We respect the privacy of all of our members, and we will never use their full names. Um, so up first, in fact, I'm going to use their uh, FEMA district numbers. This way, you don't even know where they're coming from unless you look it up. So first up is Carl. For all of you, uh, I'm not making fun of you, Carl. Totally not making fun of you. But for all you Walking Dead fans, Carl. Yeah, Carl. Carl from FEMA District 7 asks, I am new at prepping. Do you have any advice on how to get started? There is so much to do. I don't even know where to start. Uh, what do you think is the most important thing to do first? Okay. So, Carl, that's about 15 questions, but who's counting? Uh, yes, yes, I get it. And sure. Okay, look, first things first. Take it slow. There is no rush. When you rush, you make mistakes, and mistakes cost money. Okay, I can tell you right now, every single prepper who has been in this for a while has a box or boxes loaded with stuff that they don't use. It's just collecting dust. 
because they rushed into thinking they needed something and just started buying stuff. They find out later that um, you know everybody's different, so you just gotta you gotta be, just get out there and try things out. Don't rush. Take it slow. Okay. Um, let's see. Don't go into prepping being a worrywart. I think that that's important. Um, first, okay. Look, first of all, don't live your life worrying and stressing over future events. You're on this earth to enjoy life. Think of preparedness as an insurance policy that you build up over time. I'm going to say that one more time. Let me repeat that and listen very closely. Think of preparedness as an insurance policy that you build up over time. Prepping is a long distance run, not a sprint to the finish. Okay. Cause there ain't no finish line in prepping. It's a lifestyle, no finish line. Okay. So stop worrying, relax. Take your time. Do the research. Find like-minded folks to prep with. These may be friends, families, neighbors, um, co-workers. You can start like I did by joining a prepper group on Meetup. Because um, that's how I got started. Uh, the information and training you will need to grow as a prepper can be tenfold if you join with other folks. It's important. Do it. Get out there. Okay. Maintain a decent reliable source of income. That's right. We all work. We all have jobs. Uh, whether it be a career or just, uh, just employment, make sure that you do it well and you secure it. You will need an income to survive in life and the leftovers to procure for your preps. You know, you're not going to use all your money for preps. Not going to happen. Nobody does it. You have to live first. You have to pay your bills. Get your cell phone and your internet and you know all the other stuff you rent mortgage things like that what's left over that's how that's what you spend on your preps lastly there is a lot to do okay so remember the quote we've all heard it when eating an elephant take one bite at a time this is so important my first order of business when i started prepping day 1 was building my bug out bag i think this is the perfect place to start so carl carl uh, there are tons and tons of online help out there to get started with. Don't ever take the advice from one source. Take the time to do the research. We have free downloadable content on our site to get you started. Get it printed, stick it in a notebook along with everything else you find out there online. Once you've done all the research, then you'll be ready to start prepping. So Harper from FEMA District 8 asks, when I mention prepping to coworkers, they look at me like I am a lunatic. What's your perspective on the stereotype and how can I overcome that with my family and friends? Okay, she has a point. Uh, but we preppers know this one well. Okay, this was one of the main reasons why we started Off-Grid Texas. Okay, the preparedness and survivalist lifestyle needs help getting into the mainstream. Okay, Harper, let me read a few lines from my blog post. Okay, this is one of the blog posts called The Prepper Way. Okay, and I think this might help you just a little bit. This will make you understand why we're looked at the way we're looked at. Thanks to the widely popular National Geographic series, Doomsday Preppers, we have been cast out as kooks and weirdos, extremists and fanatics. The gun-toting militia is another fun term used to describe us. And yes, we do love our guns, especially in Texas. The New York Times condemned the show as an absurd excess on display what an easy target the prepper worldview is for ridicule, and how offensively anti-life these shows are full of contempt for humankind. 
As written on usatoday.com, the number of preppers is unknown, but a poll was taken for the National Geographic Channel in September 2012, indicating that 28% of Americans at that time knew at least one prepper. And by the way, the Doomsday Prepper Show is the network's most watched series ever. Okay, so that show and its reviews are probably, or at least arguably, the reason for the name calling. I would say to all new preppers, hold your head up high and own the lifestyle. Because, And I can say that because it's easier said than done. I know it can be hard. But as far as your family and friends are concerned, they love you. They won't have an issue with you being a prepper survivalist. And it's an opportunity for you to show them the way, so to speak. And it, look, everybody else, including your coworkers, too bad, so sad. You snooze, you lose. Okay, tell them to get over it. And if they can't, then they aren't invited to your bug out location when the shit hits the fan. You're one of us, Harper. Welcome to the club. Jammer21 from FEMA District 5 asks, Have you ever been in a situation where you had to rely on survival skills? What was the hardest part and was there something you wish you would have had with you that you didn't? Yes, absolutely. Not a SHTF or an NRL, no rule of law, but close enough. I enrolled in a survival course several years back, way back when, and barely completed the three-day solo portion of it. Uh, I was stuck out in the woods alone. I had no problem with water or food. There was plenty of rabbits to be had. Uh, I had a nice uh, full tang survival knife. Um, worked great. I could build shelters and I gathered firewood. I had a simple fire starter that got me got, that got my tinder lit. So I was good to go there. Great. You know, sounds great. Well, what I didn't plan for was being bored and lonely. I know it's weird. Um, Okay, it's fine for the first night. I mean, you kind of feel like a badass. By the second night, not having anyone to talk to was getting to me. And I was having to find things to do to stay busy. Okay, now the gear I wish I had. Uh, A warm Sub-Zero sleeping bag. My shelter was fine. It was built fine. And uh, though I had a nice fire most of the time, I was cold and wet. Wet from sweat. Okay, and uh, that was bad. That was the worst. Okay, we're told to keep the fire small so as to not be seen. This is a big part of survival training. So unless you got a giant fire that can be seen for miles around, expect to be cold. It sucks. Yeah, it definitely sucks. Okay, so hope that helps. Uh, let's see, Leton from FEMA District 5, another person from number 5. Um, what is your favorite piece of survival gear ever? Maybe something really just totally badass that impressed you and you found to be must have. Okay. Uh, all of my gear is badass because I'm a badass and I love saying the word badass. It's fun, but we're all badasses. Um, no, just kidding. Look, my favorite piece of survival gear, or should I say pieces of survival gear are my firearms. Yeah, I know. Uh, That was a boring answer. But for me, I prep for SHTF or NRL. Okay, no rule of law. Many preppers prep for natural disasters and such. Um, And that's smart. That's really smart. I just figured that if I prep for the worst case scenario, then I will have no problem dealing with a natural disaster. In a no rule of law situation, an NRL, self-defense is your number one priority. Hands down. My firearms, and more importantly, my training with my firearms, is how I protect my preps, my location, my loved ones, my transportation, all of my badass gear. 
Yeah. So my firearms would definitely be my favorite. Now, as far as what has impressed me the most and found to be like a must-have, it's the one thing I strive for constantly, training and mindset. Uh, I've met people that possess that pure survival mentality, and uh, it, it seriously impresses me. Those types of folks don't need the best gear money can buy. They learn to adapt and work with anything that they find. So definitely, your brain has got to be one of the most things that impresses you. I am Camel Key, and this is the OGTX Prepper Survivalist Show. Contact us at shtf at offgridtx.com with show comments, questions, concerns, all that great stuff. Okay, that's shtf at offgridtx.com. The website launches in, I think, 13 days. Go check it out. There's a countdown page. You can put your email in and sign up for a free membership, and uh, we'll let you know uh, when, it's, when it's coming up. Now, it's time for the lightning round. Now, I'm going to run through some quick questions and try to answer them with short responses. Yeah, short responses, probably not going to happen, but I'm going to try. Okay, so this says here, in episode one, you mentioned being a prepper for over a decade. How did you get started? Did you say, did, did something prompt you to start prepping or a friend pull you in or what? Uh, yes, 9-11. That got me into conspiracy theories. And from there, I went into prepping. It was pretty simple. Uh, tinfoil hat time. Um, I'm taking they got this from the beginning of the of the show. Uh, what conspiracy theories catches your attention the most that you just can't resist when you run across something you haven't seen yet? So I think what you're asking is in the tinfoil hat world of conspiracy theories and government cover-ups and such, do I prep for these types of situations? Actually, I think that would be yes. Because I prepped for SHTF and NRL. And I believe there will be paradigm-changing events to come in my lifetime. Such as uh, major cataclysmic events like meteor strike. Magnetic pole shift. uh, Nuclear war. Or I'll even go as far as saying ET disclosure. I believe it's all getting close. I was just reading recently that uh, I think it was in USA Today, they were saying that the uh, that the doomsday clock, uh, I don't know if you guys are aware of what the doomsday clock is. Doomsday clock is, uh, well, you know what, let me just pull it up and read it here for you. It says, according to the doomsday clock, it's uh, two minutes to midnight. That's the same time as last year, and it remains the closest it's been since 1953 at the height of the Cold War. Each year, the Bulletin of the Atomic Scientist, a nonprofit group that sets the clock, decides whether the events of the previous year pushed humanity closer or further from destruction. The closer to midnight we are, the more danger we're in. According to the group, the clock conveys how close we are to destroying our civilization with dangerous technologies of our own making. So, you know, that being said, uh, no, I don't follow the, uh, the, the doomsday clock. Uh, but I think it's something to be said about that. I mean, look at the world events that are happening. There are lots of folks out there who have uh, nuclear power, weaponry, and uh, some of them aren't afraid to use it. So that should freak you out even a little bit. Um, you know, we're constantly seeing uh, 
meteors, meteor strikes uh, hit the earth, small ones, you know, like the one in Russia a couple of years back it was what, 2013, um, caused all, all kinds of damage and, and injuries. Had that hit the ground, that is a paradigm changing event for sure. That's cataclysmic. Okay. And that can happen at any time. There's a, there's a meteor out there right now called Apophis that is, uh, that is coming around, I think 2020 or 2022, something like that. It will be, it will come by the earth very, very close, very, very close within the inside of the orbit of our, of our satellites. That's how close this meteor is, uh, if it were to hit, that is life ending. I mean, that, that is an extinction level event right there. They're out there. So these things do happen. How about the magnetic pole shift? Now, this is something you should look this up if you, if you don't know about it. Uh, this has happened many, many times on Earth. We believe, scientists believe that there should be another one coming up very soon. Uh, all kinds of bad things can happen. You know, so yes, uh, in the tinfoil hat conspiracy world of of government cover-ups, I do prep for exactly that. Okay, preppers, survivalists, that's all we've got for you guys tonight. I would like to thank you all for joining us on our show. The OGTX Prepper Survival Show is presented to you by Off Grid Texas. The website launches in mid-May, so be sure to stop by the countdown page and subscribe. Get on the email list. Membership is free, as is the site and all of the content. Remember to contact us at shtf at offgridtx.com com and visit us at offgridtx.com. Well, I had a lot of fun tonight. We hope you did too. Thank you for listening to the OGTX Prepper Survival Show. We're Off Grid Texas, prepping, surviving, living, thriving. <laughs> <laughs>